Let us, for a short time together this evening, return to the portion of God's Word which we read from the book of the prophet Joel, the second chapter. The focus of our sermon will be words found in verse 13. And rend your heart and not your garments. In context, it's verses 12 to 14. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind him? even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. These words as the Lord himself would be pleased to help us particularly and rend your heart and not your garments. Theologians and commentators and sometimes ministers are often inclined to try and summarize books of the Bible into one sentence that sums up the theme of the book, the theme of God's revelation in that book, in order to help understanding. And that can be a very helpful aid, uh, particularly in the minor prophets, as to their context, when they were written, and what God is revealing through the prophet. Well, the book of the prophet Joel could not so much be summarized into one sentence. It could be condensed and summarized in one word. The theme of the book of Joel is repentance. From the beginning to the end of this short book, it's all about repentance. Its message is repent in the face of God's judgments. The the devastating plague of locusts that had ravaged the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah. Repent in light of further judgments that will come upon you unless you repent, unless you move from your obstinacy. Repent of your sins and return to the Lord. That's the theme of Joel. And although Joel, we believe, was one of the earliest prophets who wrote perhaps around 800 years BC, the message of repentance is not a new message. Repentance was demanded by God from Genesis through to Malachi, God demanding repentance from his wayward people throughout the Old Testament. John the Baptist in the New Testament came preaching repentance. The Lord Jesus Christ's first words in his public ministry were repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The doctrine of repentance is well known to the Lord's people. Repentance should be the staple diet of the Christian life. It should be a well-trodden path, a path that the Christian finds himself upon 
regularly rending their heart before God. But there's a difficulty with the path of repentance. It's a path that we too often avoid. It's a path that we don't particularly like travelling on. It's a path which perhaps will take a, a few tentative steps but never complete the full journey as God commands and demands. It's a path that we are quite happy for others to walk. And in fact, we're quite happy to encourage them to walk it and find every reason in them why they should be walking it. And yet never quite get round to treading it ourselves. Well, our text comes before us this evening from God's Word as an arrow from His quiver into the hearts of the listener. This is what God requires. And we remind ourselves that Joel is not speaking to the heathen nations. He's not an Obadiah who's preaching to the Edomites. He's not a Jonah who's going to the Assyrians. Joel is sent to the Lord's people. Joel is sent to the southern kingdom in Judah. And his message to the covenant people of God is rend your hearts and not your garments. So we want to look at four things this evening that our text brings before us. The first thing we want to look at is the meaning of rending your heart. We have to understand what the prophet Joel, God using the prophet Joel, is saying to his covenant people when he says, rend your heart. Now because of these devastating plagues of locusts that had descended upon them, it is very probable because of the religious, the religious system that existed in Judah that the people and the priests mentioned in our reading had been engaged in works of repentance. They had been engaged in sacrifices and temple ceremony. But the problem with these works in the sacrifices and in the temples was that they were rejected by God. They were odious and vile before God. Why? Because they were external. They were making a formal show. It was the antithesis of the type of repentance that God requires. He abhors the hypocrite. He abhors half-hearted approaches to repentance. He despises the external rending of garments while the heart is completely disengaged, while the heart is far from the works of repentance. You see, external rending the garments to be seen of men as if you were repenting, that's just a sop to the conscience. That's something that pleases the flesh. 
That's something that brings temporary relief, but it's just an illusion of repentance. It's a facade, and it's transparent before God. So he sends his prophet, and he says, these rending your garments, this custom that the Jews had of showing how grieved they were with sin by tearing their outer clothes, tearing the mantle. God says, this isn't good enough. What I require of my people is that they rend their heart. God looks for sincerity in repentance. God looks for authenticity. And the word rend there gives us an insight into the type of repentance that God is commanding of his people. It means to split apart. We might use the phrase as as we sang in Psalm 51, a broken heart. But when we think of a broken heart, it's too often attached to emotional, meaningless words. But in the Hebrew, it conveys something split apart, but it's split apart with revulsion. There's a reviling for the sin. There's a hatred for the sin. We sang that in Psalm 51. A broken spirit. It means to have your spirit burst asunder. A spirit that's burst asunder. And a contrite heart. Contrite meaning it's collapsed within itself. A burst asunder heart. A collapsed heart because we hate our sin. The repentance that the psalmist spoke of, of in the inward part. In the parts that are hidden from men, but not hidden from God. The psalmist in Psalm 119 gives us a wonderful word. Unfeignedly thee have I sought. Unfeignedly means without pretense, without show. This is honest, this is sincere, this is authentic. You see, heart rending is much more difficult than garment rending. It's very easy to make a show. It's very easy to try and convince onlookers that you're heartbroken with your sin. Heartrending is hugely difficult. And it is at complete odds with man's nature because in all of us is the hypocrite. In some degree, hypocrisy is instinctive to man's nature. Heart-rending is what we have in our confession, repenting of particular sins, particularly. Nitpicking, sitting out, looking for the tiny grain. Heart-rending is a humbling experience. You see, garment-rending, the counterfeit repentance, That fuels your own self-righteousness. It's very dangerous to think you're repenting when you're not. Heart-rending is accompanied by that stuttering, tear-laden, trembling prayer. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And our catechism helps us with the type of rending your heart that's involved here. 
a true sense of sin. If we had a true sense of sin, perhaps there would be tears running down our faces. If we really had a true grasp of how offensive our sin is to a holy God, a grief and hatred for our sin, do we truly have a grief? Do we truly have a, a hatred, a holy hatred for our sin? This is what's involved in rending your heart. Do we have a full purpose and endeavour after new obedience? That we turn aside from that sin, we mortify and slay it that lays dead at our feet, and we say we will never sin this sin again, and an hour later we're sinning that same sin. Well, that's not rending your heart. The meaning of rending your heart is to have a heart that is split asunder with revulsion for your sin because it has offended your gracious God. What sort of repentance do you have? What sort of repentance do I have? What sort of repentance have we been engaged in today? Has it been rending our heart or has it been external rending our garment? Well, we see, secondly, to help us identify what type of repentance we've been engaged in, we see, secondly, the features of rending your heart. We know what it means. So what evidence is produced to demonstrate that we are, in fact, rending our hearts? What are the features of rending your heart? Well, if our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and they are, how do we know whether or not we are sincerely involved in rending our heart or whether we are deluding ourselves, convincing ourselves that our repentance is as required by God? Well, in our text, the prophet Joel leaves us five things. Firstly, in verse 12, he says, fasting. Has there been fasting? Now in Joel's day and in Christ's day, this involved fasting from food. It may or may not involve fasting from food in our own day, but it certainly involves self-denial. That's the essence of fasting. Have you given up something that is precious to you in order to spend time repenting? Have you denied yourself? in order to find yourself on your knees, rending your heart before God. Well, that's one feature of heart rending. Not squeezing it in, not when it's convenient in your busy schedule, but setting side, time aside to say, this is when I'm going into my closet, regardless of what's happening in my life. But not only is there a fasting in verse 12, there's a weeping. It's a well-known saying that often that the rep repentance is, is called the tear of faith. We cry tears because it springs from faith and a true sense of our sin. It makes you weep. When was the last time you wept over your sin? When was the last time you wept sitting at the Lord's table? Well, Joel tells us that if you're truly rending your heart, you'll be like Peter. You'll go out and you'll weep bitterly. 
You'll be like the psalmist in Psalm 6 who says, I have watered my couch with my tears. One Puritan commentator says, He grieves truly who weeps without a witness when there's nobody to see you and you're weeping tears before God. But he tells us thirdly again in verse 12, there's a mourning. The word there means a a lamentation. There's a wailing. The New Testament phrases it as a godly sorrow that worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. That expression of grief, the articulation of the, of the, the inner anguish and the inner turmoil that your sin is causing. Or perhaps you're just too comfortable with your sin and there's no anguish. There's no inner turmoil. There's no mourning. And then fourthly in verse 12, and turn unto me. Turn ye even to me with all your heart. You see, there's a turning to God. It means to turn back again. It infers that you've been heading in the wrong direction. You've been like the lost sheep going astray, going further and further away from the sheepfold. Rending your heart is turning back. Turning back to God. Turning back to the Lord, your God. Even with all your sin, even with your offensiveness, even with your pride, even with your lack of repentance, you turn back. Why? Because he is the Lord, your God. But it must be with all your heart. That's what we explored in the meaning of rending your heart. It must be with your whole mind. With your whole affections, not with one eye on repentance and one eye what you should be doing. What chores are left in the house, what homework you've still to do. That's not turning with your whole heart. It's your whole disposition inclined to God. Before God. So these are the features that God leaves for us. And it's a great mercy that when God makes a demand, a heavy demand, an onerous demand to rend your heart, he also leaves instructions. He also leaves guides. He also leaves a benchmark so that we can say, are we rending our hearts or are we just pretending? Are we rending our garments? Are we tearing the outward? but never scraping below the surface. Well, there's the five benchmarks, the five gauges, fasting, weeping, mourning, turning with all your heart. Measure yourself. Is that how you repented today? Did you turn? Did you fast? Did you weep? Did you mourn? Did you do it with all your heart? Well, if you haven't, that's not rending your heart as required by God. The third thing we see is the encouragement to rend your heart. We said at the beginning that it's a difficult path. No one's claiming this is easy. This is a difficult path, a path that we're reluctant to walk. Oh, how gracious God is to leave us encouragement. 
God has laid waste the land in judgment. He's promised that more judgments will come upon Judah for their, for their sin and for their unfaithfulness. National calamities, personal sufferings. There's nothing unfair in God. There's nothing capricious in God. This is all just. These are just chastisements for turning aside. And at first glance, you might think that the call by Joel to Judah to repent is to be delivered from the judgment. But we'd be wrong in reaching that conclusion. That's not the first motive. That's not the first incentive to escape the chastisements and the judgments. Because the question of the judgments being lifted or not remains in verse 14. Who knoweth? Who knoweth if he will return and repent? Joel didn't know. The people didn't know. The encouragement to repent is centered wholly on the nature of and character of their God. That's what the encouragement is. This covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, Joel reminds them that they are in a covenant relationship. He is the Lord, your God. He's not the God of the Edomites. He's not the God of the Assyrians. He's the God of Judah. He's your God. He's made a covenant with you to be your God, and you are his people. And because of God's faithfulness, because of God's veracity, he reveals himself to his people as one who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. The encouragement to tread the hard path of repentance is because of what God is. Because of these attributes, these characteristics that he reveals to the people through his prophet Joel. And this should be the great encouragement to the Lord's people to set off on this path of rending their hearts. Because the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God does not say, I am angry and I will turn you away. He says, I'm gracious. I'm merciful. I'm slow to anger. I'm of great kindness. What an encouragement to come to this God, rending your heart, splitting it apart. If God were not gracious, it would be futile to turn to him. No opportunity, no chance of grace. If he were not merciful, there would be no hope of pardon from your sins. But he says, I am merciful. If he were not slow to anger, we would have provoked him a long time ago. If he were not of great kindness, he would have abandoned us before now. But because he is all these things, by revelation of himself, that he is loving in his character, 
He is forgiving in his nature. That's the reason why we should repent before. That's the reason why we should waste no time. We'll do it now. We'll begin now. And the covenant child of God, if you are Christ this evening, the covenant child of God has every hope and full assurance of forgiveness because it's revealed of God in Scripture. God who is immutable in his character and in all his ways, in all his doings. He is a most gracious God. Or the chastisements may remain. Or the chastisements may be lifted. That's never promised. Who can tell whether they will be? But that's not the motive why we turn to God. We turn to God because he has such pity as a father. To his children dear. Like pity shows the Lord to such as worship him in fear. We rend our hearts because we have personal knowledge and personal experience. That our God is a gracious, merciful God. He's slow to anger. He's of great kindness. And repenteth him of the evil. Who could offend such a loving God? Who could fail to repent and rend their heart before such a loving God? Because we see, fourthly, the danger of not rending your heart. The prophet Joel brought reminders of past judgments, current judgments. He prophesied of future judgments. And while it's not revealed by him that God would or would not lift these chastisements from them, the people were not to sit back indolently and wait for it to happen. They weren't to be passive. They weren't to employ fatalistic stoicism. They were commanded to be doing something. They were commanded to repent. They were called to action. They were called to do something. Rend your heart. Cast yourself on the mercy of God. Joel didn't know whether God would relent. Neither did the people. But there's one thing for certain. That repentance must precede the restoration of God's favour, if he so chooses. The danger of ignoring God's requirements to repent. The danger of ignoring the necessity of repentance is clear in Judah's history. Despite prophet after prophet after prophet being sent by this gracious and merciful God telling them to repent they fail to rend their heart. They keep rending their garments. And about 300 years after this, Judah is taken into captivity. They are taken into the captivity in Babylon for 70 years. They may be exiled they may be scattered among nations, but the Lord is still their God and he is still gracious and he is still merciful. 
But who would want to spend 70 years in captivity? And the Lord's people, while they are fully assured that they will escape the judgment and wrath to come, they are not assured of escaping the chastisements of God as he chastises and rebukes those whom he loves. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son he receiveth. The danger for the Lord's people today in not rending their heart is enduring the displeasure of God. And who wants to live their life under the displeasure of such a gracious and merciful God? The danger of not rending your heart today is going through periods of your life with no sense of the Lord's presence with you. No sense of the, of the Spirit's guidance in your devotions and in your reading. The danger of not rending your heart is by your reluctance and by your impenitent conduct you exclude yourself from the blessing that every child of God craves. Communion with Jesus Christ on the wilderness journey. And the danger of not rending your heart today is robbing yourself of the great blessings that God has given in his sacrament. The sensible signs and seals of the covenant of grace and the blessings that accrue from that by those who partake in faith and by those who have rent their heart before God. A few words in conclusion. We are not sure what the short-term effect of Joel's message to Judah was, but certainly in the longer term they failed to repent as God required. They failed to meet the standard. They failed to rend their heart. One man reminds us, he says, repentance can never be too soon. Time is now. Today is the time for repentance. Not just for the Lord's people, but for everyone here. For the unconverted here, we said in the introduction, the first words of Christ's public ministry, repent and believe, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand every time the gospel is preached. And every time the gospel is preached, it comes to you as an unconverted person and says, repent and believe. And your encouragement to repent is the same as the child of God's. That God reveals himself as gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And if you will not begin your journey of repentance before such a God, how foolish 
What reason could you possibly have when God reveals himself in such grace and mercy and you sit there indolently and say, I will not? That's illogical. And that's self-destructive. Oh, it's painful. It's humbling. When you trawl through the cesspool of your own heart and find sin after sin after sin. But the encouragement is this. Only a living soul has the desire to repent. A dead man, a dead soul, an unregenerate person has no desire whatsoever to begin the painful journey of picking his heart apart and finding that which is offensive to God. So if the desire is there, and if the lamenting is there, and the mourning is there because you haven't rent your heart as you should, well, you should see that as a mark of grace because that pain and that grief is only in the regenerate heart. May God grant all of us particularly his own people, much grace to be found rending our heart and be delivered from the hypocrisy of an external tearing of our garments. And rend your heart and not your garments. May the Lord bless his own word to us. Let us pray.